Well, starting something is simple, but finishing makes us strong. That was the lesson that would be on full display in the aquatic center of the 2000 Summer Olympics in Sydney, Australia. Three men were on the blocks for the very first race of the Olympics, the, the first heat of the men's 100-meter freestyle. One of those men was Eric Musenbani from Equatorial Guinea. I got a picture of Eric here. It's a little bit grainy, as are all the pictures today. It was almost 19 years ago now. When Eric arrived in Sydney... Not only had he never been in an Olympic-sized pool before, he'd never seen one in person and had never actually swam a full 50 meters at one time in his life. He'd only really learned to swim about eight months prior when he started training to be in the Olympics eight months before his arrival. Here's a picture here of the hotel swimming pool he trained in. It was a 13-meter pool that he was given access to for three hours a week, not a day, a week, to train all by himself to swim in the Olympics. Now, you might ask, how in the world did he get into the Olympics if he did not ever even swim more than 50 meters and now he's swimming the 100-meter freestyle? Well, in the late 1990s, the International Olympic Committee allowed a, few, uh, a small number of developing countries to enter what's called wildcard competitors in the hopes to build that country's Olympic spirit. Those wildcard competitors had no pre-qualification times or requirements placed upon them. They were literally literally allowed in the games by the grace of the Olympic Committee. So three men were on those blocks. Here's a picture of those three men. On the bottom or the left was Eric Musambani. On the bottom to his right were two other wild card competitors from other developing nations as well. The official called them to mark. They bent down and grabbed the blocks. And then moments before the horn sounded to start the race, the other two swimmers dove in the water, which if you don't know, in swimming, if you fall start, it's automatic disqualification, no second chance. And so they dove in the water. Now, Eric Musambani, by himself, was about to swim the 100-meter men's freestyle opening race. He had never swam one length of a pool in his life at one time, and here he was in front of 15,000 fans in the Aquatic Center, worldwide audience on TV. What in the world would he do? What would he do? So the official said this, swimmer, take your mark. He reached down, heart had to be racing. Right? Mind flooded with fear, staring down the lane of this impossible task. Swimmer, take your mark. Eric Musambani reached down, grabs the blocks, and if you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. <laughs> I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, I promise you I'll tell the end of the story later, but for now we're leaving Eric on the blocks right where he is. After a cliffhanger start like that, you're probably questioning why you came out on this cold day to church, but I am thrilled that all of you are here today, including anyone who's joining us on video or in a video service later on today. Thanks so much for being with us. We're starting a brand new sermon series called My Declaration, A Challenge for Men to Rise Up. Now, just because the word men is in the title does not mean women are off the hook or I'm not going to be addressing them. The reason it's in the title is this series is kind of born from, built around a book I wrote this past year that really does target and focus on men in the book 
but the principles and practices it teaches and in the series relate to all of us regardless of gender. And the reason I felt led to write the book really comes from my passion that I truly do believe now more than ever, our world is in desperate need of men. Not men in quantity, but men in godly character. Men who will rise up, not rising up in dominance over other people, but rising up in our dependence upon God and dependence upon each other, for we cannot do this alone. And so we're going to rise up to live in the character our world desperately needs through the power that God's already made available to all of us. I am super excited about the release of this book. The book will get into so much more than we can get into in a six-week uh, series, 35 minutes you know, a week. Uh, it will officially be released, Lord willing, Tuesday, October 23rd, so not this Tuesday, but the next. We will have copies available this coming Sunday on the 21st, available early for our Element Church people and anyone who has pre-ordered a book. Um, if you do want to pre-order one, today's the last day to do that, and I'm shutting down pre-order today. When you pre-order a book, you get for free the song that Pastor Jared wrote uh, that we actually opened the service with if you were here for that. Some other free stuff as well. If you want to pre-order it, you can actually do it right now, literally, on my website, jeffmanis.com store. Uh, you can go to my website and download or, or order a book now. You can order one or 17. That would be incredible. So Eric Mushambani's story reminds me a lot of our own because here this guy was, he started out with great intentions, right? He's in the Olympics, for goodness sake, about to swim a race. But now, faced with this daunting task of actually finishing what he started, what would he do? Like, no one would blame him. No one would blame him if he actually disqualified himself from the race, just dove in and got it over with, right? No one would blame him if he, if he swam one full length and touched the wall and, and, and got out. They, they wouldn't blame him if he just settled for getting into the Olympics. Like if that were the end of the story, we'd all be okay with it. It's still a remarkable story. So what about us? Are we okay with settling? Are we? Because if we're honest, I think me included, a lot of us have found ourselves in our lives settling before. We've settled for things. It's easy to do, by the way. Starting something is easy, right? Like I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I love starting things. It's hard to finish things. <laughs> it's hard to complete them, right? Because the thrill of starting, it's gone. So it's easy. In fact, it's the big idea I started off with today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. Starting something is simple. It's finishing that makes us strong. Starting's easy. We love starting stuff. It's actually completing something, finishing it, that makes us strong. And listen, I fully believe, this really is kind of the string that runs through the whole book and through this series, I believe that God started something within each of us when we were born. Even if you don't believe in God, if that's you, man, I am honored, thrilled that you are here. Even if you don't believe in God, there is a destiny that God is calling all of us to. It's hardwired within us. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, it's not on the screens, I threw it in last minute today. It says that God put eternity in the human heart, that you may not even be aware of it. It, it might lie dormant and ready to rise. So men and women in the room, I think it's time to rise up. 
and finish what was started in us. Starting something simple. It's finishing that makes us strong. So the big question we have to ask is this, how do I finish what was started in me? If finishing is the point, how do I finish what was started in me? Main scripture is Genesis eleven thirty one through chapter 12, verse 9. If you've got a Bible and want to follow along, it's super easy to find. Genesis is the very first book in the Bible from the Old Testament. So turn to Genesis, and then a few pages over, you'll find yourself where you are there. Uh, all the scriptures will be on the screens from our main scripture. And if you don't own a Bible, we give them away for free. Please ask for one at guest services. We'll get you one free of charge today. Here in this passage, we're going to see the beginning part of a story of a man named Abraham. Now, if you've been around church for a while, maybe grew up in church or even been coming for a while around the Bible, you're familiar with Abraham. But in case you're not, little background, Abraham was literally the father of the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. To the people in the Bible, Abraham would have been on the, the Mount Rushmore, if you will, of people to look up to. He would have been right there with if not greater than, names like David, Moses, Joshua, Elijah. Right there was Abraham. Like he, We even have songs from Sunday school. We sing about Abraham. I'll spare you the song, but some of you know what, I, what I'm talking about. We're, we're looking at a part of Abraham's story that I don't think we often talk about. We talk about later parts of his life, but I think this is the perfect example of finishing what was started. Starting in Genesis 11.31, we're going to read a few verses, and then we'll kind of finish the whole thing out and talk about three things I see here. Genesis 11.31 says this. One day, Terah took his son Abram, who God changed his name to Abraham as we know him, his daughter-in-law Sarai, whose name was changed to Sarah, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. And that word settled jumped out to me. I know it's grammatically correct, but I think there's more to the word settled than just that's where they made their home. Because notice, the plan was to go to Canaan, which was at least 1,100 miles away. But they settled in Haran, which left 500 miles still to go. They stopped in Haran and settled there. That word settled, I think, sets up everything else in this story and explains a lot of our stories as well. Because like I said, if we're honest, at some point in our lives, all of us have settled. Whether it's in a relationship, a job, a project, a calling, in our spiritual lives, all of us at some point have found ourselves settling. And oh, church, how I pray that God unsettles us today, that he unsettles us, me included. Terah settled. Then it says this, verse 32, Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Don't miss this. This is huge. Terah died where he settled. And friends... If we don't move on from where we've settled, we will die there as well. Maybe not physically, but spiritually or emotionally, we will die because settling never leads to life. Settling always leads to death. Always. So why did Sarah, Tara settle in Haran? Why? The Bible actually doesn't tell us. But did you know, I found this interesting, that Terah had another son named Haran. 
It was Abraham's brother, the father of, of Lot, but Haran had died while they still lived in Ur where they started. So is that why Haran settled? Was the pain of his past, his loss, so much to bear that he settled? Pain often causes us to settle, by the way. The pain that's done to us, the pain that's caused by us, the, the pain is so great to bear, we just kind of settle where we are. I, I don't know why Terah settled. We're not told. But I do know in the place where Terah settled, God was about to finish what was started through Abraham. Starting something simple. It's finishing that makes us strong. So here's the, now the rest of the passage. Genesis 12, 1 through 9. It's very lengthy, so lock in with me if you can. Let's read this whole thing here. The Lord had said to Abraham... Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go. Help me out and say go. He said, go to the land I will show you. Notice he didn't even tell Abraham where he was going. Just go, right? Thanks, God, for the clarity. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled south through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the Oak of Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and I to the east. There he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord then, says this, Abram continued traveling south by stages toward the Negev, which the Bible doesn't tell us, but this is what that means, which is where his father Terah was headed for. Abraham lived out with his life what his father had intended for his own. Abraham finished where his father settled. And I'm praying that we have some men and women today that begin to finish maybe what their ancestors settled for. So how did he do it? How did Abraham actually accomplish that, finish what was started? Because starting something is simple. Finishing makes us strong. And the first thing I see is so important for us. I believe Abraham modeled this for us, that if I'm going to finish what was started, number one is this, I need to hear what God says about me. I got to hear what God says about me. I think this could be a game changer for some people today. I really do. This one point. Remember, God, God didn't even tell Abraham where he was going. He just said, go. And Abraham went. As far as we know, he didn't know where he was headed. 
So why would he do that? How did he do that? Yes, I believe Abraham had a burning desire to obey God no matter the cost. We'll get to that in a second. But also, I believe Abraham was acting based on what God had already said. He already said it. Because right after telling Abraham to go, right after that, God actually told Abraham what he would do through him if he went. He told Abraham what he saw in him that did not already exist. God was speaking to the potential of Abraham, who he would become, not who he already was. Remember, at this time, Abraham had no children, had none. Like we focus on, on the story of Abraham, typically on the miracle child he was given later in life and how God asked him to sacrifice that child. And so Abraham was going to, at the last minute, God spared the child. That's all a great story. But here he didn't have any children, but God told him, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. So go. So go. Do you know what I hear when I, when I read all that? I, I hear other words. I mean, this is really what God was saying to Abraham. Abraham, you were made for more than Haran. That your dad may have settled here, but I'm going to take you to where you belong. That Abraham, I, I chose you. I believe in you. I am with you. I am for you. Abraham, this is who you are. So Abraham acted on what God spoke to him because Abraham heard what God said about him. <laughs> Isn't that good? So do you know what God says about you? Do you know? Because, friends, if we're going to finish what was started, we have to start filling our hearts and minds with truth statements from God about who we are because the devil is trying to fill our hearts with lies. In fact, the devil, Jesus said, is the father of lies, and when he speaks, he always lies, for lying is his native language. So when the enemy speaks to you, he's lying. That's why you need God's truth to combat the lies. My, my wife and I, we, we both have our own, our, our, a whole list of truth statements that we say out loud over ourselves every day. If you've ever talked uh, with my wife for more than five minutes, she's probably told you that you need a list of truth statements, uh, statements of truth, words of truth in your life to combat the lies of the enemy. And the reason is this has been a game changer in our lives. It's changed our lives. It keeps us from settling even when we don't feel like we have the strength to endure. So here's some truth statements. These are true about every one of you in the room and they're true about me. They're all based on Scripture, okay? They're based on Scripture. You won't have time to write them all down, but here they are. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit me together in my mother's womb. I was made on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. That God chose me to belong to him, and by faith in Christ, I do belong to him. That God is for me and not against me. He is sovereign over all things. He loves me unconditionally and without question. And even when no one else is with me, and no matter what I'm required to face in this life, I am never alone, for my God is with me. He holds me by my right hand with his victorious right hand. 
Those are truth statements. All based on scripture true about you. But listen, there's some of us in the room today, it goes even deeper than that. That here's some more truth you need to know about yourself. That no matter who you are, what you've done, or what's been done to you, no matter what's been said to you, no matter what you've believed about yourself, that in the eyes of God, you are a masterpiece, not a mistake. That you may have failed in your past, but your past failures don't make you a failure. That God, no matter how much you have sinned, you've not sinned so much, he can't forgive. You've not run so far, he can't bring you back. You've not fallen so deep, he can't build you back up. You've not settled for so long that by his Holy Spirit, he can't empower you to rise up and finish what you've started. But, 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 you are not meant to settle in your past or your pain or your present circumstances, you are meant to soar in your God-given purpose. But it's awfully hard to soar when I have not heard what God said. Starting something is simple. It's finishing that makes us strong. So how do we finish what was started? Well, Abraham, I believe he heard what God said and believed it for himself. And I hope you're hearing what God says about you today. Develop a list of truth statements that combat the enemy's lies. Going back to our main scripture, God said, go. Verse 4 of Genesis 12 says this, so Abram departed as the Lord instructed. He, he just went. So the second thing sounds super simple. I think we would all be like, duh, Pastor Jeff, thanks for wasting my time. But the second thing we've got to do is this. Number two, I've got to do what God tells me to do. <laughs> Like it's simple, right? But how often do we not do it? We know what we should do. Remember, Abraham didn't even know where he was going. He was just doing what God said to do. Just, just go. Just start heading down I-25 on and hope you get to a more warm climate. <laughs> right? That's what we're all thinking today. So what's God telling you to do? What's he telling you to do? He's speaking to some of you right now. That, that tug on your heart, that pit in your stomach, that's God. And whoever you are, no matter what he's asking you to do, you got to hear what he says about you and then do what he tells you to do. And I want you to notice how Abraham obeyed God. This is huge. Abraham departed as the Lord instructed. Verse 5 then says this. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and what's the word? all his wealth, his livestock, and what is it? All the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. Abraham took everything with him when he followed God. Everything. He took his wife, he took his wealth, he took his work, and whatever W word you want to throw in there. Right? I tried to find one, but I couldn't find one. You know what that says to me? Following God is an all-or-nothing proposition. I don't get to add God to my life. God is my life. And everything else falls under him. Falls under him. So, so, so as men and as women, I'll never finish what was started in me unless I surrender every part of me. So God, I'm all yours, right? 
I'm, I'm all yours. What else am I going to do? Figure it out on my own? Starting something is simple. It's finishing that makes us strong. So how do we finish what was started? i got to hear what God says about me. i got to do what he tells me to do. And this might be the most encouraging part of the story to me and the most helpful part of finishing what was started. Number three is this. i got to keep taking ground as long as I need to. Just keep taking ground. We read in the main scripture how Abraham set up camp in Shechem. Don't miss that. He didn't settle there. He just set up camp there. It was temporary. Then it says he traveled south and set up camp in the hill country, but he didn't settle there either. Then verse 9 says he continued traveling south by stages all the way to the Negev. And here's what stands out to me about how Abraham followed God. Abraham never settled where he camped. He just continued taking ground all the way through Canaan. One of the reasons, by the way, that we settle, especially as men, and I'm trying not to lump all men or women into one category because there is a beautiful diversity among men and a beautiful diversity among women that make us different. Uh, yeah, okay. But for the most part, speaking of generalities, men are fixers by nature. Uh, there's a problem. Give me a problem. Yo, I'll solve it. Check out the mix while my DJ revolves it. Right? <laughs> we want to fix it. And so when we struggle fixing it, we settle. And I think one of the reasons we often settle as men is we see how far we have to go still. We see how much we still have to do. We see what still needs changed in our lives, so we settle. And here, Haran, where Abraham started, was at least 500 miles to where he finished. At least. And we're talking on foot or on the back of a camel at best. Here's my point. Abraham couldn't get to his destination overnight, and we can't either. I know we want to finish what was started by sunup tomorrow. But the only way we get there is by stages today. Keep taking ground. Finishing what was started is a process. It's a journey. It takes time. Don't settle because you can't get to where you want to go tomorrow. Rise up. To finish what was started by taking some ground today. Some of us, I think, we just need a little bit more Dory theology in our lives. You know Dory from Finding Nemo? You know what Dory theology is? Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Which, by the way, speaking of swimming. <laughs> remember Eric Musambani? Here he was on the blocks all by himself. Him and 100 meters of water to swim for the very first time ever in his life. He didn't, he didn't even deserve to be in the Olympics, but by the grace of the committee, he was allowed to race. He heard the, the words, swimmer, take your mark. He grabbed the blocks. What would he do? Do you want to see what he did? Too bad. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I did find video footage from 2000 of his entire race. There's no audio. It's really grainy. So I'm going to kind of monologue over the top of it. But here's Eric Musambani in his race. On the blocks, all by himself, 15,000 fans in the stadium, worldwide audience on TV, about to swim for the very first time in a race. 
I want you to notice when he starts out, like he tears down lane five with the kind of energy you'd see from a world-class athlete. But it doesn't take long, and his head's now coming out of the water. Like his arms are going to get tired. His legs will start to droop. Like adrenaline's flowing through every fiber of his being at this point. It's, it's pushing him along all the way to the first turn, to the wall. But you'll notice, even as he starts heading towards the wall, he, he starts to get, to get tired. The last few meters here, or that red marker marks the last few meters, about the length of the pool he trained in. He does his first flip turn ever. He learned to do a flip turn by watching the Americans in their practice session. He was trying to be like the world-class competitors. Now he's going and like now he's, all the energy is gone. He actually said later in an interview, I focused all my energy on telling myself to keep going, to make it to the end. I knew my, my country, my mother, my sister, my friends were all watching me. I had to finish even if I was alone in the pool. A British commentator who was making comments live watching this actually started to joke about maybe a rescue team would have to be sent in to save him. It was getting so bad. Like every stroke became a fight. Literally every stroke was a fight to stay afloat. They thought he would grab the, the rope to, to stay up. The, the crowd at first was disinterested, but when they started seeing him struggle, they actually rose to their feet and they were cheering and screaming and yelling, encouraging Eric to make it all the way to the end of the race. Like, I didn't know watching this if he was going to make it. Here he is, the last few strokes, like he is barely moving along, barely. And he gets all the way to the end. Now watch, watch, watch. You, this is, I'm glad you want to clap. He's exhausted. I want you to watch something here. It's going to show the crowd cheering. They're on their feet. Like, watch the title slide. Watch it come up. Watch it. Winner. <laughs> Winner. 100 meter freestyle. I don't know about you, but I can't say I won an Olympic race. But he did. And why was he the winner? Because he finished. He finished. His time was one minute, 52 seconds. It actually set a world record for the slowest race in history. <laughs> and it's not been broken since. The gold medal winner was more than a minute faster than he was. It wasn't the best. It wasn't pretty. But he finished. And now will forever be known as a winner of a race in the Olympics. So where are you at in the race of life? Where are you at? I want everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. I want you to ask this question. Just ask you and God, where is the place that I settled? Where have I started settling in my own life that I need to rise up and finish? What words of God do you need to hear about yourself? Not words you make up, but words from Scripture. What has God told you to do that you just need to do? And what's the ground that you've got to take today to finish what was started? I can't answer that question for anyone in the room. I can't. I can only know in my own heart 
where I'm tempted to settle or where I need to move forward and do what God's called me to do. My encouragement is, hear what God says about you, do what he tells you to do, keep taking ground as long as you need to. But maybe, maybe you've never even started the race of faith in Christ. I love the symbolism of Eric's story because he did not deserve to be in the race, but by the grace of the Olympic Committee, he was allowed to race. And we don't deserve to be in the race of faith either. We've all sinned. That sin separates us from God in eternal separation. But God in his grace said, I'll send Jesus to pay your entrance fee. Jesus, God in the flesh. He came as one of us, modeled life for us, died because of us, paying the price for our sins. He rose on the third day victorious. And he says, by faith in me, you gain entrance into the race. I'll forgive you of your sins. I'll give you new life today and eternal life forever in heaven with me. If you have never put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins to start this race we're in called faith, and you want to do that today, I would ask you to pray this prayer just silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to pay my entrance fee into faith. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you paid the price for me, so, so I'm confessing all my sins to you. By the, by the blood that you shed on the cross, by dying in my place, would you forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, make me new? Would you please live in my heart and help me to, to keep taking ground in my life? I, I, I repent of the way I've lived. I'm going to turn and follow you now. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. I have no idea whether anyone needed to put their faith in Christ today, but I want to give that opportunity. And so if you're here and you prayed that prayer, you're among family, by the way. I've prayed that prayer in my own life. Dozens of people in this room have as well. And so we're with you in the race. We're part of the crowd cheering you on to get to the finish. And we'd love to know about it. So would you do something very bold if that's you and you just ask Jesus into your heart? Would you lift up your hand, leave it up, and say, yep, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Anybody say that today? You ask Jesus into your heart. Just lift your hand up right where you are. All right. Thank you. Praise God. Welcome to the family. That's awesome. Anybody else? We had one over here. Anybody else say, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. All right. Praise God. Praise God. I see you in the back too. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Listen. If you prayed that prayer, whether you raise your hand or not, we still think you should let somebody know about it. So mark on your connection card that you put your faith in Jesus. Ask for a Next Steps devotional. 21, it's called. 21-day devotional. They're out at the guest services out there. We wrote it just for you to begin taking ground in your faith. You need help. It's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one you'll ever live out. And I want to see you finish. Not just start but finish the race. So proud of you. I'm going to pray for us. If you would just remain still for a few minutes, got some closing remarks, and then we'll get you on your way. God, thanks so much. Thank you so much, God, for revealing to us what we need in 
life. Lord, thank you for words of truth that you speak to us about who we are in you. Lord, thank you that you're so clear about what we should do in our lives. And Lord, I thank you that you don't expect us to change all the way to the end tomorrow, but you're going to change us already today by steps, by stages, by growth. So Lord, we surrender to you ourselves. We love you, God, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are new here today, please stop by the living room on your way out. Got some folks that'd love to meet you. If you need prayer for anything in your life, stop by the purple tent in the back of the auditorium. Pre-orders in today for the book. They'll be in hand next week. Series continues. Love you guys. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.